Hey, have you ever heard the phrase, he left the 99 for me? What on earth does that mean? What does it mean for Jesus to leave the 99 and go after the one? So we're going to talk about that and several other stories about Jesus today in Matthew 18. As we read it, talk about it, drink a little bit of coffee. Let's do this. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking Podcast, YouTube video, Instagram Live, however you're finding me. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for joining me today. We try to do this every Monday and Friday. If you want to join us live on Instagram, look us up, uh, Living Christian. If not, you can always watch it on YouTube, listen to it on Apple, Spotify, all the different places. Make sure you subscribe. Drop a rating and review uh, if you'd like to. That helps uh, the algorithm there to get to more people. But what we do and what we're going to do today is read Matthew 18. Uh, we're going to read through it. Uh, we're going to talk about it. And then I'll answer some questions at the end. So for those who follow me on uh, some of the social media channels, I've been diving into Matthew uh, for a few weeks now, to be honest with you. I'm trying to take my time and digest uh, each chapter of Matthew. So a couple of days ago, I read Matthew 18 a couple of times. And just to give you a little bit of an insight on, on my own studies, uh, I try to spend 30 minutes in the morning uh, just at peace with God, uh, reading, praying, and just trying to have some quiet time, right? So what I've tried to do now is uh, differently than what I normally have done in the past, was I'll take a chapter like 18, and I'll just dig into it, and I'll read it, I'll read it twice, I'll go back and try to figure out what God's talking to me, i do some highlights, as you can see, if those are watching this. Uh, so I'm really trying to study the Bible on a daily basis more, uh, more than just reading, okay? So no, there's nothing wrong with just reading. You need to dive into the Word on a consistent basis, but uh, I found that if I really just like spend a lot of time in a particular chapter, uh, God is speaking to me through that. So today, we're going to do that a little bit on Matthew 18. Have a sip of coffee, and we'll get going. All right, where are my old man glasses? All right. Uh, greatest of the kingdom. So uh, we're going to hear a lot of words from Jesus today. So about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, and I have this highlighted in my Bible too, so I would uh, highlight it if I was you. I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get in the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So what does Jesus mean? <clears throat> excuse me. What does Jesus mean by that? First, he wants us to turn away from our sins. He wants us to repent from our sins, ask God for forgiveness. But more importantly, it's the humbleness. And we've talked about this in other episodes. It's the humbleness that God wants us to have. He wants us to come to him with childlike faith. He wants us to come to him humbly, right? As a child would, right? A child knows for those parents out there, I have two. Uh, a, a parent knows this. A child knows that they can't do everything. Sometimes they think they can, right? But they know that they need us, especially the smaller children. They know if they really want something or if they really need something, they know that their parents can take care of it for them or provide it for them. There's a humbleness to a child, to a toddler, to a small child. Now, that humbleness fades as you get into the teenage years and so forth. Trust me, um, 
that happens. But what Jesus is talking about here is that humbleness of the of a child, of going to the parent, going to a father, and asking for something, asking for forgiveness, or believing in their parents, right? So our kids, our children think and believe that we are the greatest thing of all time. At least I hope so, right? Uh, and that we can do anything, and we know everything. Uh, that's the way God wants us to go to Him, is in humbleness, okay? And so that's what we need to do in order to get into the kingdom of heaven or inherit the kingdom of heaven. What we need to do is be humble in the presence of God. All right, verse 5. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. So do not harm the children of God is what he is talking about right now. Verse 7, what sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Now that verse is powerful. I'm going to stop for a second and just say this, what sorrow awaits the world. This is a little, little bit of prophecy here, right? Jesus will return and this world will be gone. We'll have a new heaven and a new earth as it talks about in Revelation. We're not going to get into that today. But what sorrow awaits the world, the people of the world, because it tempts people in sin. So he's acknowledging that this is a fallen world. He's acknowledging <clears throat> that this is a sinful world, and he's what sorrow awaits that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. So if your hand, this is a controversial section, but you got to think about what he's talking about here, which is don't be the one that tempts people into sin, okay? So, uh, and this is metaphorical speak here on uh, verse 8 on. So if you hand, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. If it's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into the eternal fire with both hands and both feet. Now, he, he goes on with this analogy. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown in the fire of hell. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven there are angels who are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. So whatever it is that is in your life, okay, whether it's people, whether it's things, if it causes you to sin, you need to get rid of it. That is what Jesus' lesson is right here, okay? <clears throat> if your hand or foot cause you to sin, cut it off. Your eye, gouge it out. What he's metaphorically talking about is any person or thing that is pulling you away from Jesus, anything that is pulling you away from God and causing you to sin, you need to eliminate that from your life. doesn't matter whether it's a people, a place, or a thing. Whatever it is, get it out. Cut it off and be done with it. Because as he talked about, this world is going to be sorrowful. And what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. Then he goes from a person who does the tempting to so if the hand. He's talking about people in your life. Toxic people that are in your life that are causing you to sin. That are pulling you away from Jesus. I have them, you have them, we all have them. Okay? So what he's referring to here is eliminating the things in your life, no matter how attached you think you are to them, get them out of your life if they're causing you to sin. This phone, this computer, these people, whatever it is, uh, get it out. So if you're watching movies that are causing you to sin, or you're influenced by stuff, 
Get it out of your life. It's not worth it. I promise you it's not worth it. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, this next section is real short, but it's, it's very powerful. Parable of the lost sheep. So, uh, it talks about this in Luke 15, I believe as well. Luke 15. Yes. Luke 15. Now, so if you want a, a little bit longer of a passage, uh, on the parable of the lost sheep, head over to Luke 15. But in Matthew, it talks about this in verse 12. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than the other than the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it's not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. All right, got a little bit left here. I'll, I'll, I'll try to wrap up or talk about the lost sheep parable. So we do, there's several parables that Jesus talks about. Uh, this one being the lost sheep, one would be the prodigal son. Uh, there's several stories and parables he talks about uh, to where, uh, you know, somebody strays away from the shepherd, strays away from the father, whatever that may be. And Jesus will chase after them and go get them. We've all probably seen at this point, I've posted it on my socials, this image of Jesus running towards this lost, dirty sheep. Uh, a great artist made that. I have that image. I'll use it on uh, probably on this uh, on this video. Um, and this, uh, po social post that I do, um, great artists on here on, on Instagram did that, but you get the gist, you leave the 99. So what is, what does that mean? So what does that mean is <clears throat> us as a, let's, let's take a church body as a, uh, as a, uh, as an analogy. All right. So let's say you go to church and there's a hundred people in your church uh, or 99, right? Or hundred, I guess. And one person stops going to church. Does God want you to just, just ban them and not talk to them or try to bring them back? No, of course not. He wants you to go after them. The ones that need Jesus the most in their life are the people who have the toughest times and the hardest sins and the dirtiest lives. There are no perfect people. There are no perfect sheep in this world, but we all have different degrees. So if you have a family member that is straying away from the faith or in living in sin or going through a rough time, Pray for them. Don't just don't just disperse and not do anything. Jesus wants you to go after them. Jesus will go after them. He wants everybody to be saved. He wants everybody to be in heaven. I, I truly believe that in my core. Uh, we are all God's children. All of our with believers or non-believers, and we can have that discussion on another podcast. But let's talk about believers for a second. If you have a hundred believers, people that believe in Jesus Christ, and one gets wrapped up in the world, talking about what what he's talking about at the beginning of Matthew eighteen, which is being pulled away and falling into sin, right? So he wants you to cut those things out of your life, people and things, right? But what Jesus will go do? He want Jesus will go go get go get him. He wants to go get get after him and bring him back. It's kind of a weird dichotomy here, right? He doesn't want something to influence you and pull you away from him, right? But Jesus will go after that other thing, that other person, right? It's not necessarily always our job. Jesus can do that. Sometimes it's through us, and sometimes he does it in different methods. So if you're feeling lost today, right? If you're feeling distant from God today, he's coming. He's coming after you. Bring, come back to him. It's okay to be a little lost sheep every once in a while. It's not okay to stay that way. Okay? It's not okay to stay that way. He wants you to be back 
with the flock. So if there's somebody in your life that's not influencing you and pulling you away from sin, but you see them struggling, go get them. All right? Help them. Pray for them. Pray that Jesus has the power, and he does have the power. Pray that Jesus goes and they understand and they hear him to bring them back. Okay? Let's keep reading because this is a kind of a long chapter. Uh, verse 15, uh, correcting another believer. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out their offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others and you go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by the two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if the, he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. <coughs> Ooh. So I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth. Okay, let's, let's, let's read 15 through 17 real quick. So this is going back once again, Jesus telling us to keep trying, keep trying to help people. Do it yourself. Do it with others. Do it with your church. Keep trying. But if they keep rejecting you, eventually treat them as a pagan. Treat them as somebody that's not salvageable, so to speak. Uh, all right, 18. I tell you the truth. Whatever you uh, forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. I love that two of you agree on here on, on earth. Like, if y'all both are praying for the same thing. I love this verse 2, verse 20, and you've probably heard this a million times. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am among them. Okay, we got one more parable left, but let's talk about that verse for a second. And that is verse, uh, what is that, uh, 19, 20, I'm sorry. So verse 20, Matthew 18, verse 20 says, Where two or more gathered, Jesus is there. I want you to understand for anybody watching this live right now. I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of people we have watching right now, but we are gathered. Jesus is here. He is here with us. He is listening to us and watching us and comforting us. So I know we're virtual. I know we're through screens. I know you're listening or watching this through your phone or computer or however you're doing it. But I, I promise you, we are right here. We are together. This is a community, a virtual community, but we are gathered. Okay? So when you're at home tonight, and maybe you're married, maybe you're not, if you have somebody in your household, pray together today. And I promise you what Jesus says is he's here with you when two or more gathered. I would say he's here all the time. The Holy Spirit is inside of us all the time. That is for sure. But Jesus is here and happy and joyful that we've gathered to talk about him today. How powerful is that? All right. All right. Verse 21, parable of the unforgiving debtor. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often shall I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Jesus replied, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. So like just infinity times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decides to bring his accounts up to date with servants who have borrowed money from him. I love this analogy, and we're going to get through it. In the process, one of his debtors who uh, well, I'm sorry, was brought in who owed him a millions of dollars. 
He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to the fellow servant who owed him a thousand, thousand, few thousand dollars. Excuse me. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me, I will pay you, he pleaded. But his creditor couldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Verse 32, Then the king called in the man who had, he had forgiven and said, This is the original person he had forgiven. You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't, have, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. Now listen to verse 35. This is very important. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So we are the original debtor in this story. We plead for mercy from the king. We plead for him to forgive our debts. And what does he do? He forgives us. Jesus came down, sacrificed himself to forgive our sins, to forgive our debts. Now, what his expectation is for that is for us to go out and forgive people who owe us, forgive people who hurt us, forgive people that sin from us. Okay? So this is an interesting chapter in 18. He talks about getting things out of your life, right? Having being humble like a child and having that humble childlike faith, cutting things out of your life that are causing you to sin. Knowing that Jesus, no matter how lost you are, that Jesus is going to come find you and he wants to save you, right? And then talking about kind of correcting other behaviors and other believers. Like if you have a believer that, you know, owes you, go and try to settle your issues with him. And then finally, forgive them, right? Forgiveness is how he wraps up this chapter. He starts with, you know, be have childlike faith, and he ends with forgive others. It's as simple as that, my friends. It's as simple as that. A lot in, in the middle of it, but it's as simple as that. So if you have somebody in your life right now that is hurting you, okay, if they're causing you to sin, you've got to cut that stuff out of your life. But forgive them for this. Jesus forgave us and died for us to be forgiven. Our sins are forgiven if we ask him to and believe in him. Go help somebody else understand that as well and forgive them for what they did against you and help them know Jesus. That's my challenge to you today. It's not always easy. Not always fun. But uh, that's what we're called to do. And that's what Jesus did for us. So the least we can do is Return that favor to other believers, right? All right. All right. Uh, let's ask uh, or answer a couple of questions. Uh, so those that are listening, this is kind of the part where I wrap up that and uh, answer a few questions, then we'll get about our weekend. Let me have a sip of coffee, and I'll see what questions are, are live today. All right. Let's see what we got here. All right. We got lots of good ones. Um, 
I keep putting the questions in here and I'll pick and choose which ones I can do. So, um, all right, I'll, I'll take the first one. Uh, how to overcome laziness. I want to get good grades, but, uh, I'm not studying consistently. I want to glorify. All right. So you got a couple of different messages in there. Uh, one would be how to combat laziness. I would say, uh, just with anything, right. And, and at the beginning of this uh, episode, I talked about, uh, diving in and trying to spend quiet time, uh, reading and studying the Bible every morning and talking about, uh, talking to God and praying to God every, every morning, much as I can. Okay. So, uh, as a lazy person, it's hard to get up that early and, and kind of get that going. Right. And I've got a, now I've got a pattern. I do that. I have uh, sit on the front porch. I take my highlighter, I take my coffee, I take my Bible, and I and I have that consistency uh, with the Lord every single morning. So apply that uh, method to other things as well. So if I can get in the pattern of reading my Bible and studying my Bible and talking to God at the same time, same for thirty uninter- uninter- uninterrupted minutes every single morning, I can take that methodology. And apply it to other things in my life, such as if you're struggling with studying, carve out the time, find patterns, find consistency in your life. A lot of times you could formulate habits uh, and break habits, but you got to do them for 21 days. Uh, So my advice to you, my friend, would be to find a certain time that you need to study every day. Uh, and, and carve out that time just as I'm doing on my Bible and do it for 21 straight days. Don't take a day off. Don't worry about Saturdays. Just, just, just dive into it. Twenty-one, three straight weeks, and I promise you, you'll you'll be able to combat that laziness by making a concerted effort, and you'll be proud of yourself, and you'll accomplish that. Okay, so I would, uh, I would build on that consistency. Uh, so start. I would ask, as you know, what I would do if I was, you know, your uh, father or friend or whatever, would be start with what I'm doing in the morning. Get that Bible open. Thirty minutes. If you can do that early in the morning and build that, uh, that trait in you that, you know, you can do that. You can apply it to other things in your life, such as, uh, such as your studies. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see what other questions we have with them. Um, all right. So this one just popped up and, and I get this every year about this time. It's about Halloween. Let's uh, have a sip of coffee. Should Christians celebrate Halloween? I am going to talk about this again. I'm sure I talked about it uh, last year in, in an episode about this time. So uh, here is what uh, here's what I believe. So uh, I think the the harvest season and the fall season and all that stuff is just a beautiful time of year. I love it. Uh, we have decorations out. Uh, we uh, I love the fall. I love the food. I love the weather. I love all that stuff. Right. So ce- I certainly celebrate that. Now, Halloween is a little bit of a different conflicting story for me. Uh, on one hand, I, of course, I've historically celebrated Halloween, took my kids trick-or-treating. We still hand out candy and do those things uh, every year. Uh, my kids are in college now, so we <laughs> we have a bucket of candy by the door waiting for all of our little uh, dressed-up uh, neighbors to come. Yeah, so we do celebrate in that form or fashion. Now, what I don't do is is glorify and celebrate the the devil and the demons and the the witchcraft and that and that stuff. Um, I certainly don't do that. So my decorations, I don't have those things in my house. I don't want that stuff in my house. I don't want the graveyard and the death and all that stuff around me. Okay. Now saying that, the next question I'll get will be, well, isn't that's what Halloween is about, right? Uh, it's, you know, it's celebrating the occult and different things. Here's my opinion 
on this. I am not giving any day to anybody else other than God, okay? I'm not going to set aside a day and just not be a part of it or not paying attention to it uh, and let the devil have that day. I'm not doing that. I'm not giving him the satisfaction of that, okay? Is it a pagan holiday in some form or fashion? Is it, yeah, okay, I understand all that. But how do you glorify God on this day? I love the fact that I've got, you know, Christian messages around my house. I've got, you know, stuff in my yard. So if you, you kids, you know, come to my house to go get candy, you're going to see a Bible verse on a rock that's next by the front door. Right? I'm, glor- I'm glorifying God even through that day. Right? Uh, that's what, uh, that's what I'm, that's how I celebrate it. Right? So to speak. Not that much. I'm aware. I understand the, the evils of it. I've read the Bible. I've prayed about it. Uh, so, yeah, I... Halloween's kind of demonic. I get it. Uh, but, uh, you know, don't give the devil his day. So hand out hand out Bible verses for Halloween. Hand out crosses. Talk to, you know, tell everybody God bless as they come to your door to get trick-or-treats. Uh, spread the—every day is a good day to spread the word of God. That's how I look at this, okay? Uh, so uh, safer place. Go to the trunk-or-treats. We do stuff at church. We do stuff in the town. We do all those things as well. But keep glorifying uh, keep going and find God. Okay. That's what, that's the most important thing. Uh, but no, I don't, I don't, I don't go out and celebrate the, uh, the negativity and the devil on that day for sure. That's not my thing. All right. Uh, so I have one more uh, question and then we'll, uh, we'll get about our weekend. Uh, okay. What do you do when you know you're, f- you're forgiven by God, but you can't forgive yourself? Hannah, that is a great question. Um, have a sip of coffee. Sometimes, and I struggle with this, and I have struggled with this before as well, forgiving myself for some of the sins that I've, that I've done in the past, recent or a long time ago. I've struggled with that. I've struggled with forgiving myself. I have a couple of things that uh, I've done in my life that are still right here in my head uh, that I still have this guilt about, that I, I, I have a hard time letting go of. Uh, and and being able to uh, give it away and, and forgive myself. It's, it's a struggle. So what do you do with that situation? I think, uh, you know, my uh, God's, God's grace is bigger than my sins. Uh, God's grace is bigger than your sins. So if Jesus can forgive you, if God can forgive you for what you've done against him— uh, on a daily basis, it feels like sometimes, because you've asked for forgiveness and you've repented and you've gone to him. And if he is willing to come down to this lonely earth and live amongst us for 32, 33 years, and then uh, be sacrificed for our sins, if he can go through all those things and forgive us, who am I to not forgive myself or forgive other people? That's how I look at it. We want to talk about the Bible verse we just read in Matthew 18 of God wanting us to humbly come before the Father. There's nothing more humble than forgiving yourself and forgiving each other, right? Laying all those burdens at God's feet to say, you know what, I'm not even strong enough to hold on to this to me. You forgave me, therefore I have to forgive myself and forgive others. You've got to be strong enough and humble enough to understand that if God, the creator of all things, everything you look up, in the sky at night and see for million, all the galaxies and everything that they think they're out there, that God has created everything. If he can create everything in the smallest of molecule on this earth, and he loves and forgives me, I can't forgive myself. 
I can't even do that one little bitty tiny thing. So of course, that's it's a struggle. I understand it. It's in your head. Let it go. Let it go. Pray, ask for forgiveness, and let it go. God wants us to look ahead, not behind. The devil wants us to look behind. God wants us to look ahead. He wants us to walk, keep walking forward until we're with him. The devil wants us to look back so we don't think we're worthy enough and that we're not good enough to be forgiven. That's your mind playing tricks on you, and that's the devil messing with you. So my advice to you is the same advice I give myself. Let it go. Keep praying. Keep trusting God. Keep understanding that, that he loves you more than you love yourself occasionally. Got to let it go. I pray for you for that, okay? All right, have a sip of coffee, and we'll uh, we'll do a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together today. Thank you so much for teaching us inside of Matthew 18 that no matter how lost we are, you, the Good Shepherd, wants to bring us back home. God, help us fight those things in our life that are causing us to sin. Help us cut those things out of our life that are causing us to sin. Help us trust in you that no matter how lost we get in this life, you want to bring us home. Also, help us forgive ourselves and forgive each other. It's so challenging, Lord. It's so hard. Our mind gets just twisted in this life, and we feel like we're not good enough. We feel like we're not worthy enough. And we, we hold on to anger and we hold on to resentment whether it's for ourselves or whether it's for other people we just hang on to that we can't let go of it lord i pray that you give us the strength to let that go let that resentment and anger and 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 kind of that guilt go and know that the second we accept you we are washed clean from all of that and you continue to wash us clean Every day. We're so thankful for that. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining me today. If you miss any of these episodes, uh, you can listen to them on Apple or Spotify or check them out on YouTube. So love you guys. Till next time, keep Jesus on your heart and forever on your mind. Have a good weekend.